Oh, that's so great. You know, Advent, are we there yet? We are in the season of expectation. This is what we're talking about is expectation. And, and yesterday we, uh, we have a ritual. We bring out our Christmas tree and we turn it on. Uh, we'll put it up and then we turn it on. And uh, yesterday we did that and nothing. No lights. Nothing. Talk about a letdown. We had, the, we had Elf ready. That's what we do. We watch Elf. We, we have hot chocolate. And we have a, a tree with no lights. So, so, you know, if I wasn't allergic to trees, we would be a lot uh, richer right now. Um, these trees are expensive, aren't they? So I guess that's what I should expect from here on out, right? Expect that the tree is not going to work. And then I'm going to have to pay money for it. But we are in this season of expectation, and we expect a lot of different things. And so this next few weeks, we continue our series. Uh, I wish we could have called it, Are We There Yet? That's just good. Let's start with a word of prayer today. Let's all stand together, and uh, as one, let's ask that God blesses our time today. Let's pray together. Our most holy Father, thank you. Thank you for this season the season that comes once a year, Lord, it seems that, that our culture is just a little bit closer to knowing what it means to think and consider others better than ourselves. Lord, this moment when we, are, when we are in this season of thinking about the birth of Jesus, Lord, help us to not be selfish with that. Lord, help us to be able to share the story because we know the story. Lord, thank you for giving us this season of waiting. I pray that you would help us to wait with holy expectation to not just the things that we can receive. Help us to think of, of the things we can give and the life we can share with others. Lord, bless our time this morning, and I pray that you would rest here in this place with us. Hear our hearts and our minds. Speak. We are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today we are continuing our series on expectation. Now, uh, we're going to be talking about this for the next few weeks. And today we have uh, several texts that we're going to go through because I think that God has been weaving the story for thousands of years. So, so we're going to kind of go through the text. I usually like to spend time in one or two texts, but we're going to be in several today. So turn first to Isaiah chapter 9. This is where we're going to be today. It's in the Old Testament, right uh, after the Psalms and the back half of the Old Testament. Every Christmas season, we like to hear this particular passage. So we're going to go ahead and begin with this. It's in verse 6 of chapter 9. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. I love that. Prophetic words. And we read this passage today and we say, yes, this happened. Now, we usually read this in preparation for Christmas, but for Israel, 
during the time of the Roman occupation, this was still just a prophecy. It was a dream. The words were beautiful. They were hopeful. But to the Jews in the time of Jesus, they were words that were still far off. And for some, these words were fantasy. Because these words paint a picture. They paint a picture of prosperity, peace, power, and righteousness. This is still a very far cry from a, for a people who were overwhelmed, lost, degraded, and occupied. Now, for some, their expectations were very low. They grew up with stories of how their forefathers were rescued from Egypt, through the Red Sea, through the Jordan, by the judges, through captivity and exile. They heard the stories over and over again. But for some, the question kept nagging at them, I'm sure. Where was that God now? Where is God now? The one from so long ago. If you think about it, for them, the only greatness in government they knew was a pagan government. Sure, they'd have been able to build their temple and it was magnificent. But peace and prosperity were still a very long way off. And the king, he's not even a son of David. Where is the God of prophecy in the midst of this desert? How many people felt forsaken, left all alone? How do you live in holy expectation when you feel as if God has left you? Have you ever been left? Forgotten? Rejected? So a personal story. Back in 1979, my fourth grade self was ready for a trip to the planetarium. Our class had been planning this trip for quite some time. And I, well, I got sick whenever they took their state tests, you know, the achievement tests. And so the day of the achievement test, the retake, I had to take it. They were going to the planetarium that day. So we worked it out, though. We were going to be able to finish in time for me to, to, to get on the bus and go with them to the planetarium. And so I started the test, and then pretty soon uh, one of my classmates came in, and she says, Is, can Scott leave? We're about to leave. And the teacher says, no, we're not done yet. Ten minutes later, she comes back. Um, can he leave now? We're about to leave. And Mr. Allenbaugh says, no, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. So a short time later, we all finish, and I run, and I take off to, to the bus, and I get there. There was no bus. No kids. Just a faint smell of diesel in the air. You know that smell, don't you? Now imagine my nine-year-old self, my son of, the age of my son now, Devastated devastated. Now it was 1979 so there wasn't a lot of campus security. So I'm running all over the campus. Maybe they're over here. Maybe they're over here. And, and I, I will say it was probably about 30 minutes of running until finally I slowed down and I just sat down and I cried. That's sad, isn't it? Have you ever walked up on a nine-year-old boy who thinks he's the toughest thing in the world crying on a park bench? Have you ever been left, forgotten, rejected? I know some of you have. I know some of you are probably in the middle of this real time. Whether it's a spouse or a close friend, 
the justice system. For those of you who have felt forsaken and have felt left and forgotten, I want to encourage you this morning. The next few minutes, I want to encourage you of this. God is with us. Now we're entering into the Christmas season. Some people entered into it before Halloween, which is just wrong. (laughs) We've been talking about living in holy expectation, but what does this mean exactly? What does it mean um, to expect that God is with us? Does it mean everything's going to go well? Does it mean that we're not going to get sick or we're never going to have money problems or, or lose precious loved ones? And if we're supposed to live in holy expectation, then what exactly should we be expecting? So for the next three weeks, what I want to do is I want to remind us of three important promises that have the potential to shape our very life. The way we live, the way we love, the way we relate to people. And the question I have is, do you believe God's going to come through? So here's a question as we begin today. I want you to consider this over the next several weeks. Here it is. If we believe that what God has promised is going to be true in the future, then why not expect it to be true in the present? If we believe that he's going to come through, then why not just live as if it has already happened? Do we have that much faith in our God? If we believe in God, uh, that he has fulfilled his promises, um, how does that shape us? Or uh, are we at a place where we're hanging on by a thread? Just trying to make it to the next day. We have our fingers crossed and our eyes closed and we're just hoping, hoping that he's going to come through. I mean, what if we left this place today with this expectation that the promise has already been kept? How would that shape our demeanor, our hope, our words? So for the next few minutes, I want us to listen with holy expectation as we look at one crucial promise of God. And the promise is this, that God is with us. He makes this promise throughout Scripture. He made it to Moses. He made it to Joshua, his people. He made it to Solomon. Uh, The book of Kings, Chronicles, Psalms, Isaiah, just to name a few. They're all over Scripture. So let's go through three specific places. The first one's in Deuteronomy. Um, And it says this. um, It says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He says it again to Joshua. He says, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. In Isaiah, he says it. He says, The poor and the needy search for water. Try Go ahead and go forward one more slide. The poor and the needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. For years and years, God has answered prayer. He's shown up. He's saved his people. He's shown up to discipline and love his people. God poured his life into this ragtag group of, of people to make them into a holy nation. And we get to benefit from that. He chose to love a people who were not always going to love him back. And I have a feeling that God, he knew that he needed to go even further to show how much he loved and cared for his people. Show them that they weren't alone. So what did he do? 
The prophecy comes through Isaiah chapter 7. It's two chapters before the one we just read. It says this, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. The literal translation is this, With us is God. The answer to God's promise was in the form of a baby, a man, living, being. And now not only would God never leave us, but now he was going to come as one of us. And God was about to fulfill his promise. So, so through Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, through Jesus Christ with us is God. But I know still we have moments, right, when we feel alone. We have moments whenever we feel that we aren't seen by others or that God has forgotten us. And we may feel as if people want the worst from us. And you know what? Some people do. We may feel as if God has forgotten us. And to even those feelings, what I would say is you are not alone. I think at one time or another, we have all felt far off. We have all felt distant from God. We've all been the ones barely getting up in the morning because we wonder how much worse is it going to get. I mean, sure, we have our good days, but there is this nagging feeling in the back of our minds that things just aren't right yet. You ever felt that way? We pray, some of us suffer, and we still wonder, is God paying attention to us? And if this is you, hear me. You are not alone. Would you be surprised to know Jesus felt this way? Jesus, the most connected one. The one who was intimate with God, one with God. The blessed one, the one who, whose life stemmed from God as he himself hung on a cross and spoke those emotional words whenever he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? None of us may have ever been where Jesus was, this, this distance from death without any hope for rescue. But I know some of us have been close to complete and utter despair. And I'm sure that this thought has crossed your mind. How often have we reminded God, uh, you're supposed to be helping us. I'm right here. Jesus had this feeling that God had abandoned him. I can understand that. Jesus had always been completely intimate with God. But in this one moment, sin separated them as it separates us from God. This one moment, whenever he took on the sin of the world, there was this feeling of separation. He experienced something that was completely human, just like you. But did God leave him? Did God forsake him? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, I don't think so. I don't think God ever turned his back on Jesus Christ, his only son. Why? Turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. 
Now, Jesus was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I know Jesus had this scripture memorized. He, was, he lived it. He breathed it. Every waking moment was reviewing the Word of God, the scripture. And even as he hung on the cross, this psalm, this ancient song came to his mind. And I'm sure he felt it. It was part of him. And he says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. In verse 16, dogs surround me and a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord... Do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. I will declare, in verse 22, your name to my people in the assembly. I will praise you, 24, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. 25, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive posterity will serve him future generations will be told about the lord they will proclaim his righteousness declaring to a people yet unborn he has done it amen god listens he cares because he's been there no matter what you're going through, with, with us is God. And Emmanuel is only a reality because of Jesus. Jesus came, he sealed God's promise. And if God would not turn his back on his only son who bore the weight and the sin of the world, all of them, he will not turn his back on you either. In the midst of your cry for help, he will hear you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We can expect it. Do you believe this? Jesus reminded this again in Matthew 28 when he ascended into heaven. He says, I will, he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the question I have for you, do you believe this is true? And if so, will you live as if this is true? Because when we expect that God is with us, then the world will know that they are not alone. That there is hope. And if the Holy Spirit is in his people, this church, this body of Christ, and if the body of Christ surrounds us, then he is here. So when we love one another, when we encourage the left, the forgotten, when we encourage the poor, the weak, those in prison, or those who treat us well, when we encourage those who don't treat us well, When we keep our promises to one another, 
when we choose to give ourselves away, then God's presence is made very clear and it shines brightly. Because when we choose to walk alongside people in the midst of calm waters, in the midst of the storm, God is with us. When we choose to be in covenant to God and to one another, God is there. God is keeping his promise to the world through you, through the believer, through the ones who the Holy Spirit rests. He's keeping his promise to be with us through you. I love this because we're God's plan A for the world. We're God's plan A. He wants to use you to bring hope and light to the world. So if you want to know if God is here, look around you. God is with us. And the exciting thing is that we get to help others see this truth as well. You are the beloved of God. So why would God ever turn his back on his beloved? He's coming again for you. Why would he forsake you or leave you? Could we expect that what God has promised to be true in the future is true in the present? We're going to take a moment and Jake's going to sing. I just want you to respond. Don't leave here without deciding for yourself how you want to respond to this today. Let's all stand together. If you need prayer, I'm here. Let's, let's sing together.